joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous. And today we're going to talk about some little angels that we've all encountered. And um, it's going to might surprise you a little bit about today's show. Taking a breath. My guest today is um, going to enlighten us about how animals can help us with so many wonderful things, particularly uh, some of the things with regards to reducing or helping us to eliminate stress from our lives. And let me tell you about my guest. His name is Alan Anderson, and he, Alan and his wife, Linda Anderson, founded the Animal, excuse me, they founded the Angel Animals Network in Minneapolis. They have written 15 books about spiritual qualities of animals and have been featured on Oprah.com, The Today Show, ABC Nightly, Nightly News, BBC Radio, Washington Post, LA Times, Amazon.com, Hot 100, and Barnes and & Noble's Top 10. And the Anderson's 2006 book about animal rescue won the prestigious American Society of Journalists and Author's Outstanding Book Award. So I just want to jump right into this subject. I love, love, love animals, and, um, and they, they're just such warming, enduring faithful, beautiful creatures. And so I just want to jump right in and say, welcome to the show, Alan. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being a guest to come talk about one of my favorite things, which is, you know, our pets and our animals that surround us. Um, And I know my listeners are going to be kind of curious because this is a little bit different, but the show is really about reducing or eliminating stress from all aspects of our lives. And there's many times that we don't even know stress has invaded a certain aspect of our life until we step back and take a look at it, all looking for solutions on how to reduce or eliminate that because our lives are so different now than they were, say, 10, 20, even 30 years ago. So tell us exactly, what is the Angel Animals Network? Well, my wife Linda and I started, uh, <laughs> actually, we were walking around a lake in the uh, Minneapolis area, and we were with our dog, and and we were just enjoying ourselves, and we are trying to figure out what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives. This is about 10, 12 years ago, and we looked at each other and said, you know, we both like to write, and we both love animals. Why don't we write about animals and how animals make a real difference in individual lives? And so we, we you know, we as we were walking around, we had our dog with us, and it was at the time uh, her name was Taylor, and she had this goofy grin on her face. She was a yellow lab, and people would say, do you know your dog's smiling? And, you know, every time someone walked by us on the path, they may have had a bad day. They may be not feeling very well. They may even have had some issues that they were trying to deal with because you could see it in their faces and their eyes that they weren't relaxing until they saw the dog's face. And then they smiled and let go, and you can tell for that moment that they were actually 
in a different place, emotionally, mentally, whatever, whatever, whatever means that you can think of. So we thought to ourselves, you know, we could uh, start sharing stories about people and their bond. And we would say spiritual and emotional and every sort of bond with, with their pets. So we decided we were going to write stories. And first off, we wanted to go ahead and solicit stories and see if people wanted to share their own stories. So what we did was we asked a simple question. Have you benefited or have you gained or have you learned those qualities in life that you may not have learned otherwise through your animal, like compassion, love, even uh, something as simple as empathy for others? I mean, have you learned the things that make you a better human being and in doing so maybe reduce (laughs) many of the things that cause us issue and concern, like the stress and the fear and the guilt and all the other things that we have to deal with as human beings. Well, we got stories and stories and stories. Within 60 days, we had hundreds of stories. So we decided to start a newsletter, a printed one back then, and we got a an agent and uh, eventually a publisher that wanted to publish a story called a book called Angel Animals and sharing these stories with the world and. Uh, you know, it was it got a wonderful kickoff with uh, the Today Show uh, uh, featuring it on one of their segments, and uh, and at that point, since since then, we've been writing and writing and have 15 books under our belts about this topic. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, I love animals, all you know, all kinds, and they've always been a part of my life, and you know. It's definitely nice to come home to someone after having a really rough and tough day to come home to this little creature, big creature, you know, and um, and I'm talking particularly right now about dogs, but um, to come home and just have this bundle of love. They don't know what's happened in your day. They don't know that you're stressed. They don't know that you had a hectic commute. They're just there. They're just so happy to see you and and you know, just want just want to really give you love and and share that with you, and and it's so unconditional, and it just it's just so beautiful. So, and there you know, there's all kind of studies out there where animals do make a significant difference in people's lives, especially you know with kids that might be having challenges. You hear about the horse therapy, um, and then you hear you know the older elderly senior citizen people that have their animals that keep them going and keep them vibrant, young, and alive because they have to, you know, exercise their animals. So, it, it, you know, this is just a beautiful topic. I know it's different, but it really is going to touch the heart and soul of all of us animal lovers out there. And it's a perfect time to be discussing the beautifulness of all these wonderful creatures that we have around us that just really are here to give us love. Now, do you have a story about how an animal has showed a person how to become more caring? Well, you know, uh, that's kind of, uh, (laughs) there's so many different stories. And this one here is about a horse. It was in uh, our book, uh, Horses with a Mission. And uh, the the person who shared this story with us said that she bought this, you know, she brought this horse home and his name was Pegasus. And he was just a monster. He hated horses. He hated being in a fenced-in area. It was a really large pasture, but he would break through the fences. He would go after other horses. He just had all sorts of issues. She, she talked to the vet. She had uh, a natural uh, healers come by, uh, homeopathic, whatever she could do to try to help calm him. And But he kept on doing things that was going to hurt himself and hurt others. And, and eventually uh, she just didn't know what to do. Well, she came home one night 
after all of these incidents. And she saw the horse in the distance next to a fence, but it looked like he was still, and she thought, oh, no, he's injured himself again trying to get through the fence. Maybe, uh, I, you know, she may started calling the, uh, the vet immediately, but she was running over there to see if he was okay, and he turned his head towards her. And next to him, on the other side of the fence, a little baby horse, a fowl, was just nuzzling next to him, under the fence post, and Pegasus was a completely different horse. And it was completely beyond her belief that she, that this horse was actually not just going wild, that there was another horse. Even eating in front of him, having the food that, he, you know, that normally Pegasus would fight for to the death to be able to get the food before other horses. Um, when she saw that, she realized there was something going on here because the neighbor uh, ranch just adopted a mother and a horse from a, an abusive situation, and they were in that particular area next to uh, Pegasus uh, area. Mm-hmm. And after, oh, I think, it, you know, they they slowly let it happen more and more where the, they were gathering and they were touching each other and they were nose to nose, and Pegasus soon became that particular young horse's mentor and father and showed him how to be a horse and they were in the same uh, field together they were running together and he found his mission he found a, something that he could do instead of just be angry and uh, remembering the past and the abuse and all the issues that came from that where all he could think of was himself mm. and from that moment forward he was the horse that people brought the fillies and the colts and other horses to to learn from, to become the biggest stallion that he was, to become uh, you know a horse that needed mentoring because whatever it is, a lot of these horses when they're adopted lose their parents and, and lose uh, almost everything when they come into a situation uh, from, uh, you know, uh, from those other uh, areas that they were once living. Um, so this was kind of interesting. Now, what did um, what did the uh, lady tell us? She uh, Victoria. She told us that she learned from this horse. Mm-hmm. She learned that she also could develop a more caring view of people and animals around her. That a lot of times the self-centeredness and all the things that came in the you know the traumas and the life that she was living she forgets to care and that's something that we all could do and it's so interesting this whole concept i mean there's studies uh you know recently the state university of new york did a study and said basically people with hypertension who adopts a cat or dog or has a pet had lower blood pressure readings in stressful situations than those who did not adopt a pet we just over and over again, these studies show repeatedly that not only did Pegasus help this woman understand the nature of life when it comes to caring for others, and that was a mission that he was missing until he accidentally discovered that part of him with that little horse, that baby, um, she didn't understand that everyone has to have something to live for. And maybe coming home to your pet, your dog, or your cat, who look at you with adoration. Have you ever, you know, do you know what it's like uh, when you when you actually, and I'm sure you do, 
you know, you go through the day and you're working with people and they don't really know you. They're working with you and they're friends and they're set facade, but to have complete, total love and adoration from another individual, whether it be a horse, a dog, a cat, it just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it does. It's, it's you know, I've experienced it. It's just really, really beautiful. Um, and I'm, a ty- I'm the type of person that animals, um, I don't know if they recognize something in me, but they're always pretty friendly to me. Um, so I do have a dog and I do have a, a cat. I had two doggies, but my my little shit two of 16 years, um, and we had to put her to sleep in February, which was really, really hard for the whole family because she had been, you know, been with us for so long. And uh, and then my other little dog, um, little Chihuahua, is just my my baby. I mean, all my animals are my babies. Like you have kids, and all your kids have different personalities, and you love them all. They all have different qualities that they bring to you, and and different gifts that they have and they share. And and my little Chihuahua is just she's my pride and joy. My kids are all grown, and so she really truly is my baby. And then my cat, who's now going to be 14 next month, is you know has slowed down. But it's so funny because I I don't call myself an animal communicator, but the, I communicate with the animals which is the funniest thing. And so I can have a conversation with my cat and my dog and um, and other people's animals, and it's just a trip. And people are like, well, how do you know what they're saying? And I'm like, I don't know how I know, um, but I just know it's intuitively. So I'm going to just share this little story with you guys all out there listening. So for the last maybe 10 years, we've had these birds that would come, these wild birds that would come and create a nest on our porch up in the like kind of roof part of the porch and uh and then they you know the the mama would lay eggs and she'd have sometimes two or three sets of babies during the course of spring to fall and then they'd fly off and then we'd tear the you know we my husband would wash the nest down and um and then they'd come back next spring and they'd build the nest and and start it all over again they've been doing this for 10 years and so you know when they first come they first the mama and the daddy, they, I'm assuming it's a mommy and a daddy, um, they're building their little house for, to, to, you know, nest their babies. Um, when they first come, they're really apprehensive about us. You know, they, as soon as we open the door, they fly away. But as time progresses, you know, and every morning I talk to them, I open the door, and I, I call them the little cheap cheeps, and I'm like, hi, cheap cheeps, good morning, you know, and, and just give them a nice little present. Well, within a couple weeks, when I open the door, they don't fly away. Um, sometimes they'll be perched on my um, porch light. Sometimes I have this plaque that hangs right next to my door. So, you know, one will be perched there. And as time progresses, and I, you know, talk to them all the time, I'm asking them how they're doing, how the nest, is, nest building is going, how the babies are coming along, all that kind of stuff. And it's so cool to see the babies hatch and, and watch them grow, and then they grow off and learn how to take care of themselves. But I talk to these birds all the time, and, uh, you know, by the end of the time that they spend with us, right before they go fly off to wherever they do for the winter, um, they, you know, I can literally, if they're perched up on the light, 
porch light or perched up on the plaque that's right next to my door. They will sit there and have a conversation with me. And they're, I'm talking to them, and they're just cheap, cheaping back. And, and it's just so cool. My husband just looks at me like, okay, she's crazy. And, <laughs> but it's the funniest thing. And then the next year they come back. And it's always, I always want to tag them to know if it's, is it the mama and daddy returning back or is it the babies returning back from the previous year and know that this is a safe place for them to nest, right? But I just think it's just the coolest thing, um, you know, with animals because um, I think they instinctively and intuitively know who's good and who's not good and, uh, you know, who's caring or kind-hearted or whatever kind of good words you want to use and and who's not, and and that's how they respond to people. So um, this, this is something that's really dear near and dear to my heart, and I'm so glad to have you on so we can share this wonderful information with others. Now tell us, how do animals, animals you know, um, show us how to be more responsive to others? Well, it's, you know, in, the, in a way, um, <laughs> we've kind of lost part of ourselves because we don't have that connection with you know, with nature, we're in the city. We're you know, we're living our our lives with uh, oh, you know, the, the taking care of the bills and raising the kids and doing all the things that we need to do as humans. And there's 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 just a moment though, where you think and I think and maybe a lot of people think, how can I become a better human being? How can I have qualities, the highest qualities that people can have? And where can I learn that from? And, you know, when I'm talking about those qualities, it makes us all just that special individual that people love and want to come to and be around. And, of course, that's love and just unconditional love without any restrictions. It's having empathy for others and being responsive to others. It's doing all those things that make you the very best you can be in a world that really does need that (laughs) in people. Um, uh, some of our stories go that direction. I remember um, uh, one story about this young young boy who had uh, uh, autism, and he um, basically just basically was closed down. There was nothing he was able to do to respond or have any kind of connection with people. He didn't like to be touched. He couldn't get his hair combed. He couldn't do anything because of his his disease. His his, his uh, what was going on with him. And, you know, the the parents, uh, Rebecca and Scotty, the parents wanted to do whatever they could to help him at least become somewhat normal in in society to be able to function in some way. So they tried many different things, and none of them seemed to work until one day the father brought home a ferret. But it was a special ferret that came from a shelter and actually had very – came from a background of of abuse. It was a scared – ferret it didn't have you know all the strong characteristics of healthy ferrets but physically he was very delicate well rocky and sean sean the little boy rocky the ferret came into sean's life and almost immediately with a lot of close supervision sean took to rocky and he would help and caress rocky very gently and very gently do all the things that a person would do when taking care of a ferret. For the first time, Sean was beginning to allow other people to touch him without all the anger and, you know, pulling away and doing whatever he could to get away from him. He was actually allowing that because he was slowly connecting and reaching out 
and being able to touch and be touched by Rocky. And because of Rocky being so delicate and so fragile, they both were very, very careful with one another. He was careful with Rocky and how he handled him. And, of course, Rocky, whenever he crawled into Sean's lap, was doing it with just a little touch here and maybe a, a very slow movement. There was nothing quick or threatening at all from that movement. And, you know, this, this relationship developed and developed to the point where Sean actually was able to get on a little softball team, that uh, a children's uh, uh, softball team, and and uh, he was able to go out and become a regular individual, a regular young man, a boy, uh, being able to play ball. And because Rocky was with him the entire time, Rocky became the mascot for the team. And towards the end, of, <laughs> towards the end of the season. <laughs> they realized that they were going to win the championship. This was the first time that they were able to uh, win the championship, and it was all just perfect because it made Sean so happy and so much a part of life where he would never have had that without Rocky. Uh, At the end of the story, uh, it was funny. Um, Rebecca says, uh, you know, one day I, I listened as Sean held Rocky in his arms, stroking him and talking to him about everything under the sun. Then he asked, Mommy, where are ferrets made of? What are ferrets made of? And before I could come up with the answer, Sean thought of his own and said, God, he said, ferrets are made of God. And Rebecca wrote, and I agree with him. So it was just a beautiful healing. And, um, you know, animals do that. They do that all the time. And so many people, they, they don't want to be ridiculed. They don't want to be thought of as being just totally anthropomorphic. They just want to share their stories and be be and, and let people know how important that is uh to all of us. I I agree. I mean, it's, you know, there's I know you've come across a ton of people that have wonderful stories like this one you just shared with us. Uh that has helped people through tremendous things, you know, to help them just feel better and you know, just reconnect with themselves and and animals are just really I think they come from a pure essence um, is what, you know, totally what you you shared with the story. And that's a beautiful, beautiful story. It just, you know, warms my heart to hear stuff like that um, because it made a difference in not just the little boy's life, but the animal's life too. When that, that little ferret was able to connect with that little boy and this special unique bond, you know, developed between the two of them, that was good for everyone all yeah. around them to see. So, I mean, it's almost like a domino effect. You know, it's, you don't even realize what is happening to you uh, potentially spreads to love and joy and all the good yumminess um, to others around you. So it's it's beautiful. Now, I know you developed or you have something um, called the pet personality quiz. What exactly is that? Well, you know, tongue-in-cheek, it's kind of like, uh, well, what is the what type of pet are you the most attracted to, you personally? Um, if you were going to go out and adopt or find a pet to live with you and become a family member with you, would you have a particular pet that you kind of would enjoy having in your life? Um, I don't, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little different. 
I, you know, when I go to adopt a pet, say if I go to like the Humane Society or something like that, it's which, which, whichever one speaks to me. You know what I'm saying? Again, you know, it's the animal communicator that I'm kind of trying to deny. But, um, and funny, I go to like PetSmart or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the pet store and they have the adoptions and I'm not looking for a pet, but they're all speaking to me. Take me home. I like you. You know, it's so cute. <laughs> so if I had to say, probably be more towards a dog. But I love cats too. I oh, mean, I know exactly I love, I've had you birds. You know, I, I've I've had you know mm-hmm. I've had um, you know, birds when I was younger. Um, so I, I I you know I don't know, but I probably would say maybe more inclined to dogs just because they're just so much more prevalent around me. Or well, let's say part of your listening audience there's someone out there that says I'm a dog person. I love dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay, now in this quiz it says, uh, you know, do you know? Research shows your choice of pet reveals your hidden personality traits. Now, I'm going to read, if someone who loves a dog and wants to have a dog in their life, their hidden personality traits, and remember, this is kind of, you know, real, but also kind of tongue-in-cheek, and it's kind of fun. Um, You are honest, loyal, a team player. You forgive easily and are religious and compassionate. You're a great kisser. (laughs) Dogs are great kissers. (laughs) But there is that slobbering issue. (laughs) <laughs> Beneath that very <laughs> exterior, you hide a big heart and desire to help others. You wag your tail until somebody pets you. It's not a pretty sight. <laughs> so, so that would be as so someone who just I'm a dog person, and that's what they're what they would be uh, kind of their hidden personality uh, traits. Now on the other extreme, and not really an extreme because cats are just the most delightful companions, and I just love them. They're they're especially. Um, you know, they they have that, that way about them. But uh, someone says that my choice, if I was going to adopt or if I was going to bring a cat into my, uh, a pet into my house, it would definitely be a cat. I love cats. Well, you're not very traditional, but you're things-like and wise. You want to, you want what you want when you want it. You knew about products before Queer Eye the Straight Guy was on the air. Even though you don't realize that you are actually a shrewd leader, deep thinker, and a very self-sufficient individual, what you hide in the litter box is between you and the Sandman. So that would be a cat. <laughs> so what does it mean if you like both cats and dogs? Like me, you know, I have a cat and I have a dog, and I communicate with both of them, and it's so funny. I see those two communicating with each other, too. It's just a trip. You know, my, my cat comes in. My dog gives the cat a kiss. Um, she asks him where he's been. He tells her if he's been in the house and she's been out in the back playing. When she comes in, he gives her a kiss. He asks her what she's been doing outside, and she tells him. So what does it mean if you have both? I guess it's just a question of the two pet personalities melded together. Is that right? Well, I have to say, you're a very complex person. <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot going on, <laughs> but uh, it's just it, you know people are like that. It's hard because it's like you know very few people. Even if they say I'm a dog person, if they found a cat that they looked at and loved, they would they would want to bring that cat home, or a bird, or maybe a a rabbit, or a ferret, or even a reptile. There's so many people that have so much uh, love in their hearts that they love all animals. But you definitely. Uh, as an animal communicator, you probably see so much going on with them and how they react to each other and react to the world around them and to you. 
Yeah, and it's it, you know it's, it really is a trip. Like I, I say, I'm not really officially quote an animal communicator. I think it's just something you know that I don't know. I, I picked up as a kid, or you know, I mean, I can talk to a turtle. I can talk to a lizard. It's it's just the weirdest thing. But I don't officially say, you know, I'm an animal communicator um, but because you, I. But you but do. I, I guess I am. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, uh, though. In the in the grand scheme of scheme of things, whether you uh, put uh, you know put that label on you or not, you are open enough to be able to communicate, and on levels that many people are closed down at because they're not paying attention to what's really inside of them that they have that ability. So it's really sweet that you're able to do that, and I bet your 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 companions, your animal companions, just love the fact that they have someone they can talk to. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the funniest thing. Like my, um, you know, I'm a nurse, so of course I'm caring, compassionate. I mean, that just goes with you know, I want to take care of everyone and make everybody feel really good and healthy and all that good stuff. But it's the funniest thing because my my son had noticed. He goes, um, Mom, my little Chihuahua. Her name is Diamond, but I call her Little Bit because when I got her, she was just a little bitty thing, and she and she was kind of a rescue thing. Um, the people that ha- I got her when she was about six months old, and the people that had her couldn't keep her any longer because they were moving. And, I'm, and at that time, we lived in we live in an area that foreclosures were we were like our area was like the number one foreclosure spot in the nation. Oh. So they they were moving and they couldn't take Diamond with them, so they um, lived by my mom and gave not my stepdad outside and gave her to him and say, can you please find a good home for, for Diamond? To go pick her up. Immediately she comes to me and I pick her up and she's just this little bitty thing and I call it, started calling her little bit and I you know held her close to my heart and it was oh. like immediate love at first oh. sight. And so my son, I was even sat her for like five years, so my son was noticing, he goes, mom, when you're, when you're home, Diamond follows you everywhere if you go upstairs she's right behind you you know if you if you're down if you get up to go downstairs she's right behind you if you go to the kitchen you know she does and she follows me and she watches me you know as if you know as if i don't know she you know she just takes in everything and then we have these little conversations and and then at first she wouldn't when she when i first got her she wouldn't I don't think she understood about communicating, right? I don't I don't know if she ever had any experience like that. But my little Shih Tzu at the time, you know, was much older than her. Um, I communicated with Mia all the time. And so Diamond would sit back and watch me communicate with Mia and Mia tell me what she wanted, what she wanted to eat, what treats she wanted, what she didn't want to do, when she wanted to go outside, you know, all this stuff. And um and then and, and Mia would talk back. You could hear her. She would make these little sounds as if she was trying to speak. And then about two and a half years after having Diamond, she started making these sounds. As I'm talking to her, she's making these sounds like she's talking back to me, and it's the cutest thing. And so my son was noticing. He's like, and she talks to you. And I'm like, yeah. And so, wow, what a, you know, he's like, wow, what a trip. You know, he's going to be 23. So he's like, wow, what a trip. He goes, I know you've had her. But when we got her, he was away in college. And mm-hmm. so now he's back home, you know, he's there and he sees this interaction. And he just thinks it's just the trippiest thing. But he thinks it's really cute because it is. It's really cute. But it's the trippiest thing. And, you know, if I've had a bad day, you know, um, things just kind of were, you know, I want to say like a challenging day. I come home. Immediately when I see her, you know, she comes running out to meet me in the garage and, 
and she just sobs, and whatever <laughs> bad day that I had is completely melts away. Oh yeah, it's just it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So all my listeners out there, if you have animals and and you're listening to us, and I know if you have animals, you can totally relate to what we're saying. Um, just know that this show is really dedicated to all of us animal lovers because they do have a profound benefit, positive benefit with regards to our health and well-being. And I just want to take this time, hold on, Alan, because this is the time of the show that I would like to thank one of our sponsors. And then for you guys out there listening, after the um, sponsor thanking and acknowledgement, um, we'll get back into talking more about how these beautiful angels, we call our animals, um, can assist us throughout our day and throughout our life with having that positiveness that we all so desire and seek. So let me guys tell you guys about our sponsor. Oh, this is a fabulous sponsor, and um, I just want to share with you 21drops.com or the sponsor 21drops. And what 21drops is, they are an essential oil company, and what they do and believe is that essential oils are the root of it all, benefiting the mind, the body, and the spirit. They know that when they extract the highly concentrated molecules from the various parts of the plant, such as the leaves, fruit, wood, seeds, and flowers, that they're extracting some of the most yummiest essence that God has put here on earth for us to utilize in our health and well-being. Interestingly enough, essential oils represent a critical part of both the plant's immune system and its survival mechanisms. And why that's important to us is because man and plants have evolved alongside each other for many, many, many years, and we have the same chemistry. Now, once humans either inhale or absorb these wonderful essential oils into their bloodstream, they interact with our bodies, thus creating balance and wellness. And that, my friends, is what the science of aromatherapy is based upon. Now, 21 Drops sources their essential oils from organically grown herbs or plants collected sustainably from all over the globe. The result are they get the most purest, most uh, effective form in the most highly distilled process that are able to benefit us. And essentially what 21 Drops says is they create customized blends that have solutions for all of us, anything from headache to heartache, 21 Drops has a customized blend to help you. Um, They believe that by capturing the incredible power of these pure essential oils for our therapeutic benefit, that they are helping to empower us and all their customers around the world to feel better and be better. So if you're looking for an essential oil or you're looking for an essential oil company that utilizes 100% organically grown um, herbs and plants in the process of making their essential oils that are crafted from distillers all around the world, then I highly suggest that you check out 21drops.com. Again, they have solutions from headache to heartache. So go to 21drops.com. That's the number 21, the word drops with an S like Sam, .com, and check them out. You will not be sorry that you visited them and their website. And now back to Alan with regards to our wonderful topic that we're discussing today, animals and the angel animals network now what um alan 
What is your personal experience in becoming a better human being with the help of an animal? Do you have anything that you can share with us about that? Well, we, we uh, yes. <laughs> I actually wrote a, a book called A Dog Named Leaf about my uh, personal experience in becoming a better human being. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had a dog uh, named Taylor of the Yellow Lab, and she was with us for a lot, a lot of years. And, and she had to... Uh, move on because she was very very sick as she got older and it was devastating as you well know it's you know where everything looks grayer it's just a, a world without uh this wonderful friend was was a world that was hardly you know worth getting up in the morning it was really really hard losing her um but after about four or five months uh, my wife and i went to the shelter just to take a look and as you well know when you go to the shelter or go to a Humane Society, you're just going there to look, which is always something. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like when you go in to look at cars and you come uh, away with one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we found this uh, pup. After, uh, his, 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 he was about a year old, and he was in a cage, and he was a, a cocker spaniel, and he was laying on the on the uh, concrete, and he looked like a piece of carpet. He was just as cute as he could be. He would jump up after he saw us, and, and, um, and at that point, Something happened. We went into the little room and got to know him a little bit better, and he really didn't like to be touched, but he did come over and let me put his back, and at that moment I kind of knew that he would be a very special friend, and that's what I needed at that point in my life. So we adopted him, and we brought him home. He was abandoned there. He was about a year old. They saw the camera bring him in, and uh, he was left at the back door, of the shelter, and he was brought in on a Harley motorcycle, so he called him Harley. Well, we soon found out he liked to roll and leave, so we called him Leaf, and he really loved that name, so we we called him Leaf. But when we brought him home, we didn't realize how damaged he really was. Mm. He didn't like to be touched. He was fearful of everything. He couldn't sleep. He would howl all night. It was just something that happened, and it was severe, and we... We just knew this was going to be a long haul. <laughs> and he uh, and I would sit in my chair in my office. It's a nice, comfortable chair. And we would, at night, I would hold him against my chest. This is after a day or two where we couldn't get any sleep and he was just scared of everything. And I would slowly let him rest and tell him he was loved and this was going to be his home from from now on and everything was going to be good and you know, it's all going to be fine. And he began to rest, and he began to snore. This is at night, so I got to snore also, which was really nice. <laughs> um, so this was very interesting. I mean, he was still traumatized. He didn't like people. He, he saw people as being bad because whatever happened to him before, and we didn't know what happened, but you could tell there was something going on. And believe it or not, in the 80s, from 82 to 90, I was uh, working as a uh, police officer in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. So, in a way, I brought with me after that work, this is about eight years of work, and I went in there thinking I was going to find writing material, but I actually kind of liked the job at first because I was helping people and doing things that, that made things better than rather than worse in, in various situations, whether they be domestic or other situations with drugs. And I... Really, but after years and years, I began seeing people in a different way. They were bad, or they were mm -hmm. victims, or they were people that were always, always doing terrible things to one another. 
And I began, like Leaf, our little puppy we just adopted, having that ingrained into my thought patterns about the world around me. Mm-hmm. So him and I, <laughs> I said, Leaf, <laughs> you know, we're going to be a team on this because we're both going to heal. This is time for us to heal and become healthier. And it's going to help us the rest of our lives when we become healthier and realize that everybody's an individual and we're not going to just assume just because he's human that he's going to hurt you or I'm going to assume just because he's a person he's going to be either going to hurt other people or try to do things that are bad. So we made that pack. And, you know, right after I adopted him, and this is when he was still traumatized, I had some tests made because I was kind of getting dizzy and I had some x-rays and things. And the doctor called me and said, Alan, you got a a brain aneurysm and you're going to have to have brain surgery. Ah! <laughs> I was I was like emotional. I didn't want to. I saw people with brain damage. I knew how they had to be dependent on others. I've been always right. and independent up to that point. And I've been away from police work for a, about a you know a long time because I was doing computer stuff and writing and all the other things I enjoyed doing. Um, but it really shocked me. And so I uh, came home. First off, I I had a kind of a meltdown. I was at work, and I left my office, went to the hallway for a little bit, and got uh, kind of adept at thinking in terms of, oh, I'm in denial. This is not going to happen. This is not me. Some poor guy has a brain aneurysm, and they got the wrong x-ray, and they called the wrong person. Well, after that, I realized that I was truly having problems in this, and I was going to have to get it addressed. So I went and did some research, took an extended lunch hour and did some research, and it was really pretty bad, the stuff on the Internet on this type of uh, situation in, in uh, medical condition. And I was going to have to tell my wife. I'm going to have to tell my wife. And she's, you know, and I at the time, she's probably as strong as you can be, but in my mind, I think, oh, she'll just fall apart <laughs> like I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so a pretty devastating news, you know. Yeah. yeah. So what I did is this is a male-female thing. Men do certain things that sometimes you might consider to be kind of dumb. <laughs> and this is what I did. That I went ahead and I started writing up a nice fact sheet, a one-pager of an overview of options. And I always use the most positive, enlightened language without ever using brain. <laughs> it's a medical procedure. I mean, all the things that would keep it very non-emotional. So I brilliantly built this beautiful fact sheet and I, I brought it home and I presented it to Linda that evening and she, my wife, read it and she looked at me and Leaf was sitting there next to me and he was very affectionate and she looked at me and says, you have a brain aneurysm, you're going to have brain surgery and you gave me a memo? <laughs> and I realized, oh man, this is not exactly what you do. Uh, so oh, I kind of took the cue and I held her hand and she talked and we she cried a little bit and we, we just chatted and we talked about what the options were. It was all very, very healing. But uh, I really, really liked my fact sheet and she hated the memo. <laughs> <laughs> so through this process, through this healing process, even with Leaf as who he was, which is still a traumatized dog, he didn't like to be touched, was next to me, allowing me to pet him, soothing. He had a job to do. And in doing that, he opened his heart to realize that, yeah, not all people are bad. And I had a job to do to be there for him, even though I was going through my own thing prior to the surgery and through the surgery. Now, I wanted to share one thing, if we have a few moments, that was really special to oh, me. Oh, yes, please do. We have, we, we have, yeah, we have time, so please share. 
Okay. Well, prior to the surgery, I had this awful dream. It was a nightmare, and it was one of those dreams that, like, is real. And people have those sometimes, and they know they know what they are. And I was standing there, and I was looking at this massive line of people, and they were going into this massive structure with uh, that I understood was the building of life, and it had uh, books and buildings and oceans and forests and everything that people could experience was inside that building. It was a representation of it. And in that line were people I knew, people, family members, everyone that I really, really liked as part of my life, and they were just moving on ahead, and they were ignoring me as I was looking into the line. Everyone in line had one thing. They had a ticket. They were allowed, with their ticket, to enter the building of life and continue with their lives. I didn't have a ticket. I tried to jump into the line. I tried to break you know, ranks. I tried to get in there. They all looked at me and said, you're not one of us anymore. You don't have a ticket. And they made me leave the line. I was devastated. I really thought that dream on some subconscious level was letting me know that things were not going to work out with the surgery or maybe something would happen with the aneurysm prior to the surgery. So I woke up in a sweat. Mm. And this little dog woke up. To, I mean, he was next to me. He was had his little paws on the bed, and he jumped up. He never did that before. He jumped up and was next to me, and I got to pet him. I said, this is very unusual for Leif. He doesn't like to be touched so much. Right. Well, he was there for me, and, and um, it was so sweet. And I woke up, and I kind of realized what was going on. The dream really affected me deeply. I told Linda later in the morning all about the dream, and I had all these visuals, and I showed my empty hand with no paper in it, and Leaf was sitting there next to us, laying down at some point, just listening to everything I was saying. And my wife, of course, was, you know, because we think dreams occasionally really have some significance and meanings on what might or might not be happening in one's life. Well, later that morning, Leaf started doing something he had never done before. This was a new behavior. And I didn't know what at the time what he was trying to do, but he went over to the table and with his paw pushed over off the newspapers and magazines. And he started ripping up these newspapers and magazines in little slits of paper. And he would gather them up in his mouth and bring them over to me. And when I wouldn't hold them or I wouldn't take the paper, I, he'd drop them at my feet. I realize now from listening, as you are with your communication, he wanted to give me my ticket. He was, oh, oh, and I just was so touched by that. Of course, there was a happy ending for Leaf and me both, but it was such a feeling of this dog knows so much that that uh, in that special moment I realized he was really working his best to comfort me, and he was even going to bring over paper <laughs> so I could oh. have a ticket. <laughs> oh. Oh, how special is that? Now, now, okay, now I'm curious. So what happened to Leaf? Do you still have him? Oh, yeah, he's actually um, right here. <laughs> oh, well, gosh, tell him I said hi. I what a will. beautiful Yo, little baby he is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's turned out to be the most loving. He goes right up to people and wags his tail. He's a totally, totally changed individual. And... Uh, you know, of course, when people still lurch at him or do something, uh, you know, in a in a threatening way, he gets scared. But basically, he's become totally different than he was when we adopted him in a in a very healthy way. He would, he's the dog now that he would have been had we had him since he was a puppy. He, all he's known right. is we adopted him is love and 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 just the the things that um, make it make life worth it. 
Wow, that that is oh my gosh, that is just so touching. I mean, you know, it's a, it's really beautiful, and I'm sure the listeners out there, some of them are probably probably brought tears to their eyes because. Again, it just shows the really true healing power of the animals that we that are surrounding us each and every day, and we just don't know, you know, about it. And and you know, again, I'm going to bring up the fascinating therapy that has taken place with uh, the horses. I had did a bout as school nurse many years ago, and had these you know kids that had special needs, and and I would work real closely with the parents and things of that nature to help them to get the best for their kids that they possibly needed for them to be successful in school. And there was this one mom that was just starting the horse therapy stuff, and I want to say this is probably like in 97 or something like that. And uh, it was kind of like this new thing um, in the area. Yeah, you know, from that matter, it was the first time I had ever heard of that, but her, she had a child that had special needs. Now, fast forward, the girl, the little girl is now grown. She's way grown. Um, and every now and then I'll see them in the grocery store, the mom or the little girl, you know, I can't call, I shouldn't call her a little girl because she's a grown woman, but, you know, I'll see her and they run up to me and I just know that the child was changed and helped so dramatically from where I first encountered her to where she is today because of the therapy that the mom had created with this horse therapy that they do. And I'm not really sure what it entails, but just the other day I was reading the newspaper and they had a story in there about horse therapy with elderly people and horse therapy with people that have had strokes and things of that nature. And it's amazing how intuitive these animals are and we don't even recognize. I know at Miraval Resorts, they have a special, I don't want to say it's a class, but I'm going to say it's a class or a breakout session, and you can interact with horses. And, again, it's a horse therapy, and it's just amazing um, how the horses match up to you and help you through whatever it is that you need to get through. I mean, it's just like it's so profound that we have this animal kingdom that has so much to offer us, and we, we haven't even begun to touch or scratch the surface behind it. You know what I mean? We just think they're pets or work animals or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I just want to share this story. I'm talking too much, but I just want to share this story. So my little girl, we be traveling from where I live now to, to the Bay Area, and, and we passed through all these horse stables, and they were like, tons of horse, you know, horse ranches and horse stables. And um, and then there's cows and stuff. And when she'd get fussy on a drive, I'd pull over and say, look at the horses or look at the cows. And the cows would be right up at the, you know, right next to the car, mooing or looking at us or the horses. And it would just completely settle her down. And then you could see whether it was the horse or the cow, how welcoming they were to just having someone stop and say hi to them. It was just the cutest little thing. So when you share your story about Lee, and I'm sharing the story about the horse therapy and all this stuff, I know people out there have had experiences like this and can totally relate. And just the essence of us being able to share this information, you just don't know who you might touch that may, you may help them to release or reduce or completely eliminate stress from their life. So go out and get an animal. Be kind and loving <laughs> to your animal and watch how things just manifest in your life so beautifully. Um, so now I want you to share with us um, are there any tips? Well, let me go back because I know we're getting close on our time here. Where can people find out more 
about the Angel Animals Network? Well, if they if they uh, go to uh, angelanimals.net, uh, our website's at that location, and uh, we have all the information about uh, we uh, about the books and what we do. There's also a free weekly Angel Animals of the Story of the Week newsletter that we send out through an email, and they can sign up for that and read a brand new story every week about uh, the special relationship between a human and their pet, or the pet and their human. <laughs> Love it. And um, what does Linda say about um, what does Linda say about all of this? Because you know, you guys have written so many books, and and um, and she's not on with us today. But if she was on, what would she say about all of this? And message that could help those out there listening. Well. You know, one thing that is important, and I think you've said the same thing and Linda does also, if you are open enough to listen, and I really loved what you said earlier, how these animals really do communicate and they have so much to share and your lives could be so much better because you were open to listen. So she would probably encourage people to, if they don't can't because of their living circumstances, can't bring an animal home, go to a shelter and volunteer. Open your heart to these animals. Open your heart to the individuals that are there that need your help, the cats, the dogs, the birds, whoever is there, be there for them and help them find homes. That would be a wonderful way of connecting with animals, even though your circumstances are such where you can't bring one to your home at that point in your life. Mm, That's beautiful because even though you may not be able to bring one home, you get to experience the essence of them, and you're and in essence, if you're going to a shelter and volunteering, you're helping them, and in return, they're helping you with that interaction that you get. Even though you can't bring them home, you still have that beautiful interaction that's so precious and and so sacred, and it's really private between you and that particular animal. So, oh, thank you for sharing what Linda would say. That's perfect. <laughs> now, if you had something to say and something to share, last words for the listeners with regards to our topic today, what would you like to say? I, I honestly, um, there's one thing that we all need more of, and that is hope that tomorrow will be a better day. And I think the having um, a precious animal companion in your life that you love and they love you brings that almost automatically to each day. You know that this is worth, <laughs> everything's worth it because you have that love. Um, that's basically it, the hope and the love and the, and the unconditional love that you receive from an animal. Please, please consider it. Bring and make your life whole. Don't don't leave that aspect of life out of your life, even even as a shelter or bringing one home and adopting, or doing the things that help uh, animals that uh, bring joy to your life. All that makes a, a life a hundred percent full and not not uh, just a partial partial experience. We have so much that we can give if we choose to. Beautiful. Thank you. Now, once again, um, share with the listeners how they can get access to your books. Um, well, again, the books are, yeah. the books are yeah. in all the, all the bookstores. They're on the on, uh, online bookstores or on physical bookstores or the chain bookstores in your local uh, independent bookstore. And you can also go to angelanimals.net and, and get an idea of what, um, 
where you know where you can buy them if you need to to look at the books and what kind of books we have. There's pages of the different books. We're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel. We have Twitter. If you just type in the word Angel Animals in quotes, you'll find all that very easily on Google or other search engines. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Alan, so much. And Linda, even though she's not with us on the show, but she's with us. Thank you, Alan and Linda, for your wonderful work that you, you've done with regards to writing the books about the angels that we don't even recognize, which are the animals that are here with us on Earth. And uh, thank you for being a guest on the show. I absolutely love, love, love this. It was, you know, it's something different, but it's so healing and it's so soothing um, to talk about these beautiful beautiful creatures that are really here to help us and even though we may or may not realize it they know they know um and they know lots of secrets that they don't that we don't know that they would love to share with us and enlighten us with so thank you so much for talking about this wonderfully profound enlightening subject for all of us as to how we can better live our lives even if it's just a moment at a time you know, just sharing it with an animal, whatever that animal choice of yours may be, will just brighten the day um, for you and for that loving little animal that, that just totally loves you. And whether it's a wild bird like I shared or, you know, a cat or a dog or a horse or a cow or a pig or whatever, um, just know that the relationship that you have with that animal is sacred and it's yours and it's something that no one can ever, ever, ever take from you. And it's going to benefit your health and well-being in ways that medical science can't even begin to document right now. So thanks once again, Alan, for being a guest on the show. And thank you to all of you listening out there. It was fascinating to talk about this. As you can tell, I talked a little bit more than I normally do, but um, because I'm an animal lover, um, it, it just... It just came out of me. So I apologize if I was a little wordy, but I hope you enjoyed the show with Alan and what he shared with regards to our beautiful animals that surround us. And, of course, next week we'll have another fabulous show with an awesome guest. As you know, I bring nothing but the best, or try to anyways. But with that being said, I'm going to wish you all a wonderful week. Have a, a fantastic week in your journey and reach out and touch an animal and communicate with them even if it's just giving them a smile and watch how they smile back at you you'll be amazed you will simply be amazed when you experience that as as alan had shared earlier in the in the in the show i am rochelle lawson the queen of feeling fabulous and i'm wishing you peace to your mind wellness to your body and tranquility to your spirit have a wonderful week everyone and until next week be well and uh, live a life of bliss. Take care, everyone. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And, of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.